0: I'm reading 1 John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and you are enjoying the holiday season even as we speak i see lots of family and friends here that's always good to see it's always nice and a blessing to spend time with loved ones with family and friends and let me just encourage you to decide to be salt and light among your family sometimes when we're around our family we just sort of fall back into old patterns or a default mode but but let your default be salt and light and let god use you to have an impact On the people around you, even your family. We're glad you're here today. If you have a Bible, let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5. If you're somewhat new to the Bible, that is toward the end of your Bible, or you can just scroll on your device until you get to 1 John chapter 5. That's going to be our text this morning. This is the last Sunday of 2019. Hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard for me to believe. This year seems to have just flown by. But on this last day of 2019, we want to wrap up our series from 1 John we're calling perfect love or some some translations say complete love this idea of the fullness of a mature godly love and throughout this short letter it's not very long throughout this short letter John who is inspired by the Holy Spirit is giving us a picture of love and you might think of it this way John is weaving together this beautiful masterpiece, this beautiful tapestry that is love. And let's say it is hanging up and he is using vertical threads that represent God's love for us and our love for God. And so he is weaving these vertical threads throughout this tapestry. But he, he doesn't stop there. He has to hold it together and it's held together by the horizontal threads representing our love for other people and their love for us especially within the church but not limited to the church because we are to love those who are not in Christ as well and so John is using vertical threads of love and horizontal threads of love and together they overlap and they come together woven together to form this beautiful tapestry this beautiful masterpiece that gives us a glimpse into not just what it means to be a follower of Christ, but what it means to live in love, to live in the light of God's love. To love God, to love others. It's very difficult, virtually impossible, to separate those two things that's what jesus said when he was asked jesus what is the most important command mark chapter 12 verse 29 jesus starts with the shema part of the shema what the jews would know is their calling to god identifying god as the one and only god and then he says it is this to love the lord your god in mark chapter 12 with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind with all of your strength and he says the second one is like it to love your neighbor as yourself there are no greater commands some other gospel accounts say everything hangs on these two commands love for god and love for other people those cannot be separated they are woven together and should be represented in the life of someone living in the kingdom of god a disciple of christ following the example of christ you see christians should be consumed with love We should be consumed with love. To follow Christ means to love God with everything we have and to love others around us. Someone says, well, wait a second. What about right and wrong? What about obedience? There's more to following Christ than love, isn't there? Well, yes and no. And John will explain that. John will get to that, and so will we. But one thing I want to make very clear before we go there. It's something that John makes very clear in this letter, time and time again, repeating it over and over and over. For example, in chapter 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. I like that word. He's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Later in that same chapter, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Chapter 4, verse 8, simply says, at the end of that verse, God is love. Verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see a theme here? John continues in verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Verse 19, we love because he first loved loved us before we go any farther before you step out into the world this week you need to know you need to be reminded that God loves you that God's love is unquestioned that God loves you dearly it's important for us to know that and maybe that's the message that's the word from the Lord you need to hear today You just simply need to be reminded that God does love you. Maybe your struggles, your sin is causing you to doubt God's love for you. Maybe Satan is on full attack in your life right now, and you just need to be reminded that God loves you. Maybe your circumstances are caving in around you, overwhelming you, and you need to know that God loves you, that there is hope. That God is a God of love. I'm here to tell you. More importantly, John, inspired by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, is here to tell you that God loves you. It is his love that compelled him to send Jesus, as Jack just reminded us, to send Jesus into this world. For the word to become flesh and make his dwelling among us. For that baby to be in that manger and ultimately for that life to be given up on the cross. It was God's love for you that compelled him to do that. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. I mentioned this at her funeral service several months ago. But when I went to see Virginia Niles in the nursing home, I saw something that made an impression on me. Many of you know Virginia. Of course, Dean is with us today. They were married for 70-some years, I believe. And that day, I went to visit Virginia. It was, she was in her final days. Her family, as you know that family, was gathered around her. They were holding her hand. They were talking, and they were sharing stories and sharing memories, and just the love was so evident. Of course, Dean was there, as he was every day, to see Virginia Virginia's memory had long since gone. She really didn't recognize too many people, if anyone. But her family was there with her. And I got an opportunity to say goodbye to her. Before I left the room that day, I knelt down beside her bed to say a prayer of blessing over her with her family around us. And that's when I saw it. I looked up at the foot of her bed, and on the wall was a very basic Framed, basically framed, 8 by 10 black and white picture of a young couple, a very young couple, on their wedding day, standing hand in hand together. You know who it was. It was a picture of Dean and Virginia Niles. There weren't too many other pictures or decorations in the room. That was not her permanent residence. But there was that picture at the foot of her bed, hung just high enough for her to see from her bed. You see, sometimes we just need to be reminded that someone loves us. Sometimes we forget that we are dearly loved. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. Listen, God has put an impression, an image of himself on your heart. That picture of God's love, that picture of the cross of Christ. Is there in your mind, in your heart, each and every day, and it is a picture that reminds us of his love for us because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just need to know that we are loved because the world is a cruel place and Satan is always on attack and we need to be reminded. Minister John Mark Hicks said about Standing at the coffin of his wife, who battled cancer for six years, then ultimately died, he said, while I can stand at her coffin and doubt God's love for me, it is impossible to do so when I kneel at the foot of the cross. God loves you. Don't ever forget it. Don't discount it. Don't dismiss it. God loves you. But the question I have for you today is, How will you respond to his love? What do you do with that knowledge of God's love for you? What difference does it make in your life knowing that God went to great lengths, that God had a plan in place that cost him dearly to save you, to lavish his love on you? What difference does it make? How do you respond to that knowledge? Last week, many of us or at least a few days ago, probably, maybe multiple days, many of us probably spent time giving and receiving gifts, right? And that's always a fun thing, and every family seems to do it a little bit differently. Some families, it's just a free-for-all, right? You just get the gifts and get after it. Other families are a little more orderly. You pass the gifts out, you take turns, maybe you go from youngest to oldest opening gifts, or some other order. I even heard of one family that had color-coded gifts gifts so everyone opened the red gift first and then everyone opened the green gift wow (laughs) everyone does it differently but usually there is an appropriate response when you open a gift right especially the expectation from the giver of the gift is that you will respond in a positive way and so there are all these unwritten rules about how to respond when you open a gift when all eyes are on you. Everyone's looking at you. And usually that's no big deal, right? You smile, oh, this is great. But sometimes you get a gift that's a little bit odd. Everyone has that person in their family that just gives odd gifts, right? You know, you open up the shirt and it's two sizes too small. What do you, what do you say? What do you do? Or you get the re-gifted fruit basket or whatever it is. Right? some of you did that this year didn't you you re-gifted something or you get the gift card to Starbucks that's $25 but it's written on there $7.38 left on this card <laughs> hey I'll take that that's, I have no problem taking that gift but there's these unwritten rules about how you respond you're supposed to have the non-verbals oh this is great you know the smile the, and, and also if it's something inside another box you have to open it up right there right you don't just look at the box and see what it is. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to use that and set it aside. You've got to open it right then. If it's a hat or shoes or a coat, something you can put on, you've got to put it on right then because that says to the giver of the gift, I really like this. Look, I'm already using it. A few years ago, our brother-in-law asked for Old Navy T-shirts just in different colors. Well, everyone in the family got the word, but no one in the family talked to each other about it. And so guess what? What? He opened up like seven or eight of these T-shirts. And you know what he did? Starting with the first one, not knowing that he was getting seven or eight more, he put it on, just over his shirt that he had on. He just put on his T-shirt. Then he opened up another one. Oh, another T-shirt. He put it on. Oh, another T-shirt. He put it on. He put on seven or eight T-shirts over his shirt. He looked like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man after the end of it look like the little boy in the Christmas story when his mom dresses him up to go out. You remember that? It was only on TV about 400 times this past week. That's what he looked like because there is an appropriate response when you open a gift. How do you respond to the gift God has given you? What is your response to God giving so much for you? In 1 John, we see that our response is pretty clear. We are to respond to God's love by loving him and by loving other people. We said a few weeks ago that love is a choice I make and actions I take. It's a choice I make. The feelings aren't always there. I choose to love, but that love is demonstrated through my actions more than just words. And so we love God By choosing to love God through our actions, we love other people by choosing to love them through our actions, through showing compassion, through serving, through doing nice things for them, putting them first. And again, those two are inseparable. But maybe there's more to loving God. What actions specifically are we talking about? Well, John tells us, chapter 5, verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. He says, when you love God, you love his children. And when you love his children, you love God. But there's more, he says, you carry out his commands. In fact, verse 3, this is love for God, to keep his commands commands John says we show our love to God by believing Jesus came from God first of all and this is really important in the context of this letter because there are Gnostics around this first century group of believers and these Gnostics think they have the wisdom and specifically they deny the incarnation of Christ you will not find a nativity scene in their yard they don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh as deity and so John says first of all you have to believe that Jesus came from God he says you also show your love by loving Jesus and what else by obeying him by obeying his commands by carrying out his commands it's pretty clear what he says Obedience is that appropriate response we talked about. Obedience is the appropriate response to God's love. John, who wrote this letter, also said in his gospel account, quoting Jesus, Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, as he's talking to his 12 apostles, preparing them for life in the kingdom, he said, If you love me, keep my commands. Just a few verses later in verse 23 Anyone who loves me jesus says will obey my teaching My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me You see I can't claim to love god and then live however I choose That's not loving god Genuine love for God is manifested in a life that conforms to the will of God, to the ways of God. The one who truly loves God surrenders his or her own will to God's will. You might say that your obedience is God's love language. Many are familiar with that term, love language. Several books written about it in marriage for children... There's probably love languages for pets. I don't know. This guy made a lot of money writing these books, but the concept is amazing and really practical that everyone appreciates and responds to love demonstrated to them in certain ways, in specific ways, whether it's quality time or words of affirmation or acts of service. Well, it's maybe oversimplified, but I think what John is saying here is that when you choose to obey God, you are speaking God's love language. You are expressing love to God. A few weeks ago, we said that truth and love do not stand in opposition to each other. They don't contradict each other. They're not opposing forces on this dichotomy so that we have to choose obeying truth or showing love. Love is grounded in truth. Truth is engulfed in love They cannot be separated Someone might try to bypass what the Bible says because they say they are choosing love. I know what the Bible commands, but I think it's more loving to do something different, someone might say. Love does not give us a license to exercise our own will. Love compels us to conform to God's will as revealed in his word. Love cannot be extracted from truth. From the truth of scripture from the truth of God's word so if you truly love God you submit to God and his word it's one thing to interpret scripture a little bit different than someone next to you it's something else to in the name of love ignore what scripture says or not even know what scripture says about an issue earlier in his letter in chapter 2 John writes these words, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete, made perfect in them. This is how we know we are in him. He says, this is it. You want to know if you're in him? You want to know if you love God? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He says, obey God. That's how you express love to God. What does that look like, John? Give me a picture. Give me an image. Give me an example. He says, you live like Jesus lived. If you want to know what obedience looks like? Obedience to God? Then look at Jesus. And just try to live like Jesus lived. Try to do what he did. Try to treat people like he treated people. He becomes our picture of obedience. Maybe you're still struggling with this love and obedience connection. Maybe it would help to think of it this way. What motivates you to follow Christ? What motivates you to do the right thing for making good choices that honor God? What is your motivation? I heard several years ago that there are three main motivations. The first one is fear. Fear is a very effective motivator, isn't it? I don't like to run. Some of you enjoy running. I know that's a shock that I don't like to run. That's a surprise, right? Some of you enjoy running. You run every day. I don't like to run, but I can promise you if there's a bear chasing me, I'm going to run. I'm going to be compelled by fear, motivated by fear to run. Why do you try to drive the speed limit? Some of you don't, I know. I've seen you drive. Why do you try to drive the speed limit? Because you don't want to get pulled over. You don't want to get a ticket. You don't want to have to pay for that ticket. You don't want your insurance to go up. You are motivated by fear. Fear is a very effective motivator, isn't it? And some people do the right thing. Some people follow Christ. Some people try to make decisions that honor God out of fear. They're afraid of being disciplined by God. They are afraid of hell. Listen, hell is very real. And it is a very effective motivator, but maybe there's a better motivator. There's also the motivation of reward, isn't there? You do something a certain way for the payoff that comes with it. Right? Some students work hard in school because they want that A, or they want to achieve that certain GPA, or maybe they want a scholarship, and so they work hard in school. I heard of some parents who actually pay their kids for every A they get. Maybe that's you. Wow. I think after some semesters, some of us might owe our parents money probably. But, but if that's the case, that's motivation by reward. I want that GPA. I want to get paid for these A's. Whatever it is, I want that scholarship. And some people follow Christ. Some people try to do the right thing because of the motivation of reward. I want to be blessed by God. I want to go to heaven someday. And just like hell is very real, heaven is very real too. And that is a wonderful motivator. But maybe there's a better one. Recently, they've, they've added one form of motivation. It's a sense of duty. You do things because that's what's expected. You signed up for it. You're just, that's what you do. Right, And so some people go to church out of a sense of duty. That's what I do, that's what we do, that's what we've always done. And again, that's not bad. Sometimes that sustains us. It builds in routines and rhythms that are really important for our lives. But maybe there's a better motivator. What about the motivation of love? What about when you're compelled by love, driven by love? Those of you who have children or grandchildren, You make sacrifices for them. Probably from a place of love. If you're married, maybe you submit to and serve your spouse from a place of love. Now, maybe you do it out of fear. I don't know how things are. That's quite possible. But probably you do it from a place of love. If you have friends, you maybe do nice things for them because you are motivated by your care and concern and your love for them. You see, love is a wonderful motivator. When we obey God from a place of love, yes, fear can be there on some some level, reward can be there on some level, duty, it's okay, but when we obey God, when we conform our lives, our wills to his from a place of love, then we express love to him in a genuine way obedience to God is an expression of love because it's motivated by love we recognize what God has done for us and we gladly we gladly submit our lives to him we follow the example of Jesus because we see who Jesus is we see what he's done and we love him and so we yield our lives to him We allow the values and the priorities of the kingdom of God to order our lives rather than the ways of the world because we love God. And we know that He has our best interest in mind, that we can trust Him. And when we obey God from this place of love, you know what it does? It doesn't just communicate to God, but it changes our perspective. We see things differently. We see everything differently. We see his commands differently. No longer do we look at God's commands. No longer do we look at Jesus' teachings as oppressive. Oh, you know, like when you're a teenager and your parents have all the rules. They just don't want me to have any fun. They have all these rules. It changes your perspective because you realize that God loves you, that he wants the best for you. And that his way of life in the kingdom is the best life. The life you were created to live. And so his, his way of life is not oppressive. It's not a burden. And that's what John goes on to say in verse 4. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. God's commands were not meant to be a burden to you, but rather a joy. They were meant to help you overcome the world and live the life that you were made to live, a holy life experiencing incredible peace unparalleled joy purpose and meaning you see it's a burden to be honest in your business dealings in your financial plans it's a burden to be honest if you believe the lies of the world that say do everything you can cut corners make yourself as much money as you can because that's where satisfaction is found It's a burden to be sexually pure if you believe the lies of the world about sex. It's a burden to be generous, to be kind, to go out of your way, even when people are ungrateful, to treat them the right way. It's a burden to do that if you believe the lies of the world that say put yourself above others, use others to promote yourself. It is a burden to share your faith to speak of Christ, to make disciples, if you believe what the world says about saying and doing those things, that you will embarrass yourself, that it's not politically correct to do that, that it's going to cost you dearly. It becomes a burden. It's a burden to live a holy life if you believe what the world says, that happiness is far greater than holiness. But notice what we just read. Verse 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. The world doesn't own you. You are a child of God. You're in the family of God. Our lives are ordered by a higher calling. We are not burdened by the ways of life in the kingdom of God because they give us freedom and they allow us to express and to experience The love of God and so as we conclude let me ask you do you love God the easy answer is yes well of course why would I why would I be here I wouldn't be here if I didn't love God I get it do you love God if so are you obeying him Are you allowing the truths of God's word to order your life? Just like you can't say you love God and then mistreat other people, you can't say that you love God and then live however you choose. Your obedience is the expression of your love for God. Do you love God? Does he know that you love him? Maybe this morning you need to reorder your life. You need to make some changes. Maybe it means today as you understand God's love for you that you need to respond to his love by giving your life to him, by confessing Jesus is the Son of God. That's what John talked about, believing that Jesus came from God confessing that among others and then being baptized into Christ clothed with Christ maybe today is the day don't let this year end without making that choice today we'd be happy to help you with that or maybe we can encourage you maybe it's a call to confess sin or ask for help we want to be here for you We have a couple of shepherds and their wives that will be in the parlor. It's a room right behind me. You can exit out any of these exits and make your way there. They'd be happy to encourage you in a more private setting to pray for you. Or you can come down to the front, and we'll receive you today. If we can do anything for you, we want to bless you and help you. Let's stand and sing. Salvation belongs to our God.